Welcome to The Impossible Job, a podcast about the misadventures in parenting that every parent goes through, regardless of who your family is. I'm Laura LaBelle, a part-time working mom with two young kids. I'm Laura Churchill, a stay-at-home mom with two boys. We're We're not not experts, experts, just parents. Hey. Hi. Hi. (laughs) It's like a game of chicken. I don't know who's going to say it first. (laughs) Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Excellent. Um, So this episode is kind of all about the ladies. Ladies. March is Women's History Month. Right. So uh, when this comes out, obviously, it's going to be the 24th, but just, you know, Leading up to women's history. We're leading up to women's history. So this is the our episode to honor Women's History Month, which is right. in March. Uh, so we actually just picked two mothers yep. to talk about and share right. if you you might not have actually heard of these people or you I mean I have my, not heard of either of the women I picked. Okay. So my two uh, so I know your two. Yeah, you don't know. I don't my know. Two, your so I, I almost switched mine, and then I was like, "Oh, I can't switch because I don't know Laura's, and we might be doing the same." <laughs> I'm glad you didn't because I like I like yours. One of them okay. I was. Uh, well, we'll get into. We'll it. get it. But okay. My two, you probably do know, but you probably maybe I didn't know much. Okay. About them, so. Who's going first? I'll go for. I'll do my one first. Okay, and then, and then we'll, I'll go. Yeah. Okay. So since since you don't know. Who it is, Jermo, please. My first uh, mother that I picked is not actually a, well, she, uh, she's an adoptive mother. Okay. And I did not know that she adopted. Uh, but I picked Josephine Baker. Oh, I did not know she was a mother. Yes. I didn't know she had kids. I mean, adopted or otherwise. Yes. So she's not, I don't want to say not a traditional mother in the sense where yeah. she didn't birth her children, right. but she did, she is a mother. Okay. Um, so her name is actually Frida Josephine McDonald. She was born in on June 3rd in 1906 in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, her mother was a washwoman and her father was a vaudeville drummer. So I feel... Ooh. Like she kind of had performing, yeah, in, know, her in her jeans. In her jeans, her father did abandon the family uh, fairly soon after Josephine's birth, and her mother did remarry and then had m- many children, I guess, with her uh, new husband. Yeah. Well, because of that, though, to help support her family, Josephine, at the age of eight, dropped out of school Oof. and started cleaning houses and babysat for wealthy white families to help. Pay, pay and yeah. take care of the family. Um, so, but she did end up running away from home at the age of thirteen. She found work as a waitress at a club, uh, where she actually married a man named Willie Wells. They actually divorced about a couple weeks later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, like, I, I mean, guess I don't know a lot about Josephine Baker. So I was like, I don't think I knew she was married. She's been married and divorced quite a few times. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. All right. There are lots of these things I did not know. Um, by the by, nineteen nineteen, she was touring the United States with the Jones Family Band and the Dixie Steppers, uh, performing comedic skits and kind of dance stuff. Uh, in nineteen twenty one, Josephine remarried a man named Willie Baker. Wait, what was the first husband's name? Willie Wells. Oh, okay. So she named she married two guys named Willie, which huh. I mean that's my son's. Name, I know. So, I mean. Great name. Great Fantastic. Name, you know, 
Uh, they were young, you know, maybe just not suited for each other. Sure. There's not a lot of information about these guys in her biographies or the articles that I... She's I've moved on. She moved on. Anyway, she married two men named Willie, but Willie Baker... She obviously kept his last name, yeah. even though they divorced a few years later. Uh, in 1925, at the peak of France's obsession with the American jazz culture and mm-hmm. all things kind of like exotic, Baker decided to travel to Paris, and she soon became one of the most popular and highest paid performers in Europe. Go Josephine. I know. Uh, She capitalized on this success, and she sang professionally for the first time in 1930, and several years later, she landed herself in multiple films Mm -hmm. um, as a role as a singer. Uh, The money that she earned from these performances allowed her to actually purchase an estate in the southwest of France, and she named the estate, and I apologize to all the French people. (laughs) <laughs> I am the, your classic American who's going to butcher your language. Um, Les Melendez, or <laughs> Les Melendez. Um, anyway, she soon paid for actually her family to move there from St. Louis. So she right. moved them to the southwest of France. Somebody can move me to the southwest right. of France. <laughs> uh, in 1936, uh, she did return to the United States to perform in the Ziegfeld Follies. Mm -hmm. She was hoping to establish herself as a performer in her home country, but she was met with a lot of hostility and racist reaction. And she quickly returned to France because of that. Uh, Upon her return, she married a French industrialist named Jean Lyon, and that's how she actually obtained her French citizenship. Well done. All right. So shortly after that, that's when World War II kind of broke out. It mm-hmm. was about a year later. And actually, she worked for the Red Cross during the occupation of France. Oh. Uh, she was a member of the Free French Forces, and she also entertained the troops in both Africa and the Middle East. Um, now, most importantly, and probably the, one of the cooler cooler things that I kind of found out about her mm-hmm. is she worked for the French Resistance and was a spy for them. Oh, all right. So when Adolf Hitler and, and Germany uh, invaded France during World War II, she aided the French military officials by passing on secrets that she heard while performing in front of the enemy. She also transported confidential information by writing with invisible ink on music sheets. Like, I like it. That's some so cool. Pretty back. cool spy yeah. stuff, right? You know, like, and that was really, yeah, super dangerous. Yeah. So I'm just. I also have a World War II lady that I'm all like, God, you guys did such cool things. Such badasses. Yeah. Right? You know? So, well, for these efforts, at the end of the war, Baker was awarded both the Cru de Grand. I'm so sorry, Crux. Croix de Guerrier. <laughs> so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she, she got that. And the Legion of Honor with the Rosette of the Resistance. These are two of uh, France's highest military honors. Well done. Uh, following the war, Baker spent most of her time at her estate with her family. In 1947, she married, yet again, a French orchestra leader named Joe Bouillon in the beginning of 1950s when they uh, started to adopt babies from around the world. Guess how many children she adopted? How many? Twelve. 
Holy. <laughs> oh, that is... Girl. So... Well done for you, but no, well, not for me. So this is kind of, So I read a, a few articles uh-huh. about the whole adoption, and it ranges from, like, very, like, humanitarian mm-hmm. to kind of... Mm, <laughs> I don't... Well, okay. Um, so uh, I kind of combined all of this stuff. So she adopted 12 children in all. Uh, Baker adopted children from Finland, Japan, France, Belgium, and Venezuela. All right. So during the school age years, the 10 boys and two girls uh, that she adopted, they kind of grew up in the public eye. She referred to them as her rainbow tribe and her experiment in brotherhood. She wanted to kind of prove that people from all different walks of life could live harmoniously with each other. Okay. So she often invited people to the estate to see these children and... But there's other articles that I found that said she charged admission to the public to let them watch her children perform songs and play in the courtyard. Oh, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. So, and I'm kind of leaning towards that, like, the whole, like, the admission. She did charge admission because uh, the property boasted a motel, a bakery, cafes, a jazz club, in a miniature uh, golf course and a wax museum telling the story of Baker's lives. So it was like a vacation resort. Kind yeah. So All right. The Wait. children were also some of them were renamed and raised in different religious traditions so they could be more typical of the racial and national types that Baker had decided should be represented in the tribe. Oof. We she really also, started strong. Yeah. <laughs> so she also gave some of the kids new backstories. So Baker, one of the stories was that Baker actually wanted to adopt an Israeli child, mm-hmm. but the uh, Israeli welfare minister refused, uh, telling her that they can't s- sanction taking a child away from Israel when great efforts are being made to bring children to Israel. You know, not to be deterred, Baker adopted a French orphan and uh, renamed him and decided that he would be raised Jewish. Hmm. I I don't know. So there's some articles that say, you know, that she, like, helped rescue these yeah. kids and stuff like that. And It's a complicated history, which I think is typical of history. Right. People are complicated. I'm not necessarily condoning what she did with right. her children, but I, I don't know. I, I think she had good intentions. I think... The I execution was flawed. Yes, I think very flawed. Yeah. But yeah. But anyway, as time went on, a baker's finances did start kind of start to crumble because as the children got older, people weren't necessarily as interested. Interest- yeah. Um, she moved her rainbow tribe to Monaco to live in a less grand home, but it was paid for a baker's friend, Princess Grace. Oh. Yeah. Friends in high places. Right. Uh, Here the kids were, you know, entering their teenage years. And in some cases, they, a lot of them kind of pushed back at their lives being so much in the public. As teens will do. Right. Uh, So they began to, you know, resist Baker's authority. Baker looked into ways to kind of farm out her children to others at this point. So uh, Bouillon... Baker's husband at the time of the adoptions was now her ex. Uh, Some of the kids went to live with him. Others went to boarding schools. Uh, A small few of them went to live with one of her longtime fans in the United Kingdom. Now, this is kind of a sad part. One of her sons 
he came out as gay and she very much disapproved of his lifestyle and sent him to live <sighs> in Buenos Aires with Bouillon as well. Um, but then there was other, which is kind of strange because there was a, she was mentioned in a few of the articles that she was actually bisexual herself. Yeah, I thought she was. That's that's one of the few things that I yeah. But apparently, known. it was pretty public at the time that she was very public about his lifestyle choice. Apparently, so that I mean, that, I found that to be pretty sad. During the 1950s, uh, Baker did frequently return to the United States to lend her support to the civil rights movement. Uh, she did participate in lots of demonstrations and boycotted segregated clubs and concert venues. In 1963, she participated alongside Martin Luther King in the March on Washington and among the many notable speakers that day in honor of her efforts, the NAACP actually named May 20th Josephine Baker Day. Oh, all right. Yeah. I didn't know she had her own day. Yeah, neither did I. So after decades of, you know, the U.S. kind of, for lack of the word, mm-hmm. on her, you know, and being awful to her. She uh, was actually performed at Carnegie Hall in New York and was greeted with a standing ovation. So she had her kind of comeback, okay. I feel like. Yeah. That was like her... Haha, <laughs> to everybody, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, in April 1975, Baker performed at the Babino, Babino Theater in Paris. <laughs> Gosh, so sorry. In the first of the series of performances celebrating the 50th anniversary of her Paris debut. Actually, unfortunately, a few days later, on April 12th, she died in her sleep of a cerebral hemorrhage at the age of 68. So on her 50th anniversary kind of tour, it was cut short, unfortunately, but I think it's kind of cool that she had this kind of comeback when she was in Paris. On the day of her funeral, more than 20,000 people lined the streets of Paris to witness the procession, and the French government honored her with a 21-gun salute, making Baker the first American woman in history to receive French military honors. All right. So, I mean, it's I kind like, of like up and down. Yeah. It, so I, I never knew. Yeah. I didn't I mean, know I most of, of these. Josephine Baker. I knew. I did kind of know she was a spy. Right. I kind of knew she was a spy. I kind of knew she was bisexual. I did not know a lot of the details. But yeah, of, I did like, not know that life. she was a mother of yeah. 12 That's a lot of kids. kids. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's hard to be a mom. To, it's hard yeah. enough to be a mom to two. So, I yeah. mean. Maybe, mm-hmm. she, I don't know, she went a little crazy with she the whole, well, it's a lot of money, too, to yeah. support 12 kids, yes. so I get that you need to do it any way you can, but I don't having know a that social we, experiment yes. with your children may not be the best way to go. And also, you know, charging admission so people can just watch your Watch kids. your kids play. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's gotta be Feels really, very zoo-like, and... Mm. It's not my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still, I think, a story that, you know... No, it's an interesting story. Very interesting, like, and it's maybe not, yeah. I I mean, that's the thing. Everybody is flawed, and, you know, yes. got to look at the good and the bad. Yes. People are complicated. Yeah. Complex. So. All right. Who's I your... will get into my first one. I will do, so I have one that's kind of more in history and more than, she's alive now. But I'm going to go with the historical one. Okay. And that is Irina Sendler, who was born in 1910. She lived till 2008, which I was all like, oh, this lady was like yeah. 
I actually knew a little bit about her because she's in my one of my daughter's books, The Goodnight Rebel Girls. Oh, So they okay. just do, like, all these women in history and yeah. stuff. And they, not all of them are mothers or right. anything like that. But I did not know she was a mom. Yeah. But I did, there's, like, little snippets of each of these. She has a paragraph. three children of her own. Okay. But also, she, so she was a, um, she worked at the Welfare Deport Department during World War II, and she used her job as in the Welfare Department to gain access to the Warsaw Ghetto. Oh, she used this to smuggle out children and put them into hiding. So some of the ways that they smuggled them out is that they would use an ambulance and a child could be taken out hidden under stretchers. Mm. Um, they escaped through courthouses that had been sealed off and not being used. There was a trolley that they used sometimes and they would put like a sack in it and put the kids in it and like put them in the trunk. In a sack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a sack full of kids. Goodness. Yeah. So they smuggled out hundreds of kids and once they were out of hiding, she was also helping find them. She would often put them in like orphanages mm-hmm. or places for children with no families under new names so that they could not be found yeah, again. Yeah, she gave them, she adopted she forged, them out. Yeah. Basically. She yeah. like forged papers for them and got them into hiding. Uh, in 1943, she was appointed. Can you imagine the just the organization? No, because I'm not an organized person. Right? But that's like, but also it's organized, like the organization, the but also hiding all of that. So right, you like, have like codes and like that's what I'm saying. Names. Like yeah. you have like hundreds of children. Yes, with different backstories. Right, all new papers. Then you have to find placements. Like yeah, I can't. The amount of right. organization and risk. Like yeah, because just, the I would have a nervous initial goal was day. that eventually these children would be reunited right. with their parents. Most of the parents died, died. in Treblinka, right. so they were not reunited. But they had set up things so they could eventually reunite these kids. And, yeah, and that's but also that's hide super it. dangerous information right. to have. Yes. So, in 1943, she was appointed the director of the Department for the Care of Jewish Children. And she still was working on hiding these children and smuggling more out. She was trying to smuggle adults out, but it, that was a much more difficult oh, I thing. No, she yeah. did it for adults. Uh, eventually, but... she was arrested. Yeah. And she had to hide all of her paperwork and things that she was using yeah. so she would not be caught with it. She was sentenced to death and was supposed to be shot. But the activists smuggled the, or not smuggled, bribed the executioner. And so at the last minute, they got her out. <gasps> but the Germans declared they didn't want to like admit that she got away. So they told everybody she had been shot. They posted posters all over the city and was all like, this woman's been shot. And so she went right back to going Doing with the resistance. She, she was undeterred. Yeah. She was like, well, I escaped death once. I shall keep going. Yeah. Um, and then she had three or I think four of her own children. Oh. So I'm like, girl. So she actually never was like killed. No, she oh. wasn't. She was. She, I mean, she died. At, yeah, at an old age. At her. Yeah, in 2008, she was. They. You can go to. I didn't um, know that. I actually thought she was had been killed. No, she was supposed to be, and right. then they were just like, "Yes, we definitely did that thing." <laughs> she did not get away, but she did get away. Good for her. And then she went right back to helping in the resistance. Good. So. Oh my goodness. I'm like. You, you barely escaped that one. And she's well, like, you know what? I'll do it again. So yeah. people were just... Ballsier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they saw chutzpah. something wrong and they were like, you know what? 
That's good. I'm going to do something about this. That's amazing. So, like, I just, loved reading about her. Yeah. I don't blame you. That's really, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Like, like, I had never heard of her until we started, like, researching women. And I was like, I want to know everything about this woman. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot imagine what it's like to be like, I have my own family. And yet... I'm still going to take this risk mm-hmm. because I want to take care of all of these children. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah. Oof. My second woman is Tammy Duckworth. Oh, all right. So, I mean, I I know I knew a little bit about her, but yeah, I, like, know, I didn't like, know the, the basics. In depth about yeah. her. So, uh, Tammy Duckworth, born on March 12th, 1968 in Bangkok, Thailand. Huh, okay. Yeah. Under long-standing U.S. law, she is actually a natural-born citizen because her father is American. Uh, her father, who did die in 2005, was a veteran of the U.S. Army and the Marine Corps. Uh, her mother is, is Thai Chinese, and mm-hmm. uh, her father actually worked with the United Nations and international companies in refugee, housing, and development programs. So the family moved around Southeast Asia a lot. Yeah. Uh, she actually is fluent in Thai, Indonesian, and English, obviously. Uh, so Duckworth actually has been married to her husband since 1993. They met during Duckworth's participation in the Reserves Officer Training Corps and later served together in the Illinois National Army National Guard. Excuse me. Uh, in 2004, this is the part that I kind of knew, but mm-hmm. didn't know to the extent. But in 2004, Duckworth was deployed to Iraq as a Black Hawk helicopter pilot for the oh. Illinois National Army National Guard. I knew she was deployed. I did not know she was a pilot. Yeah, she was the pilot. All right. Um, on November 12th in 2004, her helicopter was hit by a RPG, and she lost both of her legs and partial use of her right arm. Senator Duckworth spent the next year uh, recovering at Walter Reed Army Medical Center, where she quickly became an advocate for her fellow soldiers. Uh, She did recover, and she became the director of the Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs, where she helped create a tax credit for employers that hired veterans and also established a first-in-the-nation 24-7 Veterans Crisis Hotline and developed innovative programs to improve veterans' access to housing and health care. Hmm. So I like it, yeah. Lost her legs, mm, partial use like, of her arm, and was like... I'm going to keep doing good things. I'm going to make sure, you know, my fellow veterans... Are protected. Are protected and well taken care of, right? Yeah. Um, in 2009, President Obama appointed Duckworth as the Assistant Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and she coordinated a joint initiative with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Develop to help end veteran homelessness. Uh, she worked to address the unique challenges faced by females as well as Native American veterans and created the Office of Online Communications to improve the VA's accessibility, especially among young veterans. Sometimes I like... I'm just like so impressed. I know. <laughs> just, like, I'm like, you do all people this. have done so much. I'm like, what have I done? Exactly. But I'm, also I'm exhausted just <laughs> thinking I'm just, about it. I don't... It just... Yeah. Uh, in the U.S., 
House, uh, Duckworth served as the Armed Services Committee and was an advocate for working families and job creation. She included bills uh, like her bipartisan Friendly Airports for Mothers Act, or the FAM Act, to ensure that new mothers had access to safe, clean, and accessible lactation rooms when traveling through airports, which is... I love this. It's now the law. So. Good. Uh, she helped lead passage of the bipartisan Clay Hunt SAV Act, which enhanced efforts to track and reduce veteran suicides. She also passed the Troop Talent Act to help returning veterans find jobs in the private sector and work to cut waste and fraud at the Pentagon and throughout government, including passing a provision that pre- Projected to save taxpayers $4 billion by reducing redundancy in military uniforms. Like, lady, I am so proud of you, but also take a vacation. Right. You, you're doing a lot. Right. And I love it, and it's great. Yeah. Let the ladies do the work. But who? Yeah. Uh, she has two daughters, Abigail, who was born in 2014, and Maylie, who was born in 2018. Uh, Maley's birth made Duckworth the first U.S. senator to give birth while in office, which, yeah, like just I'm continuing s- to do the big well, thing. Well, I'm kind of surprised. I can people didn't see- have children. It hasn't happened. No, had, but so. I feel like a lot of Congress people tend to be on the older True. side. Yeah, she's. It's only I feel like recently that we're starting to get a lot of younger. Yeah, that's true. Congress women. Um, so there was a rule that per, that was changed um, also during that time that was permitted senators to bring children under one year old into the Senate floor to breastfeed. Um, and this was actually kind of a symbolic moment for Duckworth because uh, she had previously introduced the bipartisan friendly airports mm-hmm. to Mother's Act. So on the day after that rule change, Duckworth brought her daughter in during the casting of that Senate vote, making Duckworth the first senator to pass a vote while holding a baby. Good on her. Right? Like Do the thing. So, like, not only did she, like, give birth while she was, you know, yes. a senator, she also, like, brought that baby. She's like, this is vote. the reason I'm here. Right. And so, which is, so the whole, she actually initiated that, the FAM Act Mm -hmm. after she had had her kids and was like, this is awful. Let me do something. (laughs) I feel like that's bringing your kids to airports is awful. Of her life, she's like, something happens. This is terrible. I will fix it. Well, that's what I. That's like that's one of the things that I actually try to teach. I'm trying to teach my kids is Mm -hmm. like if you see something wrong, don't look for someone to fix it. If you see the problem, you are the person to fix it. And yeah. this is, like, on a very small scale right now. Tammy right. Duckworth is like, let me show you what I mean. But she definitely embodies that. And yeah. I just thought it was so cool. Like, No, like, that is This is amazing. something that's wrong. I see this. So I'm going to be the one to change the you thing. You know what? I don't and like this. I, I'm going to fix this. Everybody sit down. Right. And I just... I, I love I it. I don't know. I'm just... I'm so impressed. Yes. Not, like... In awe of people who are just like, you know what? This doesn't work. Right. And and she definitely is, I don't want to say she's at a huge disadvantage because of like losing her legs and everything right. like that. But I mean, I would be. It would be easy for her to go home and be like, I don't want to do anything. You know, just kind of yeah. sulk in that. And instead she's all like, It would be so hard not. for me yeah. to like get the will to. Right. 
just, I don't, I don't know. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to fix everything. Forget it. She, she fixed all this stuff. Then she went on to have children. And it was just, yeah. Just doing all the th- I don't know. All right. I, so those are my, all right. my two ladies. What's yours? She does more before breakfast than I do all year. It's fine. For my whole life. <laughs> yeah. So my second uh, mother is Dr. Dana Suskind. I have she, not heard. I did not hear, know about her. I so. didn't either. So I was like, I am. I don't know about any of my people, apparently. But she lives in Chicago currently with her husband and her eight children. Ocho. Yeah, she okay. is a pediatric surgeon <laughs> and professor of surgery and pediatrics at the University of Chicago Medical Center. So Impressive. the big thing that she is known for is starting the 30 Million Words Initiative, which encourages parents to speak frequently to their children. Okay. Um, she was in charge of doing surgery on children who had hearing loss, mm-hmm. and she realized that the more parents talk to their children the better the outcome their kids had so she was i will handle this i will fix this uh the 30 million words initiative eventually involved evolved into the tmw center for early learning and public health which focuses on educating parents and caregivers in order to optimize foundational brain development in children, especially among low-income families. So initially, when she did her study about the 30 million words, which is what she's saying is the minimum, it's a lot of words, but she's saying... I mean, I guess over time. Right, right, right. Not like in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Although... But, so she... Initially, when she did this study, there was some criticism that she was not taking into account that a lot of the low-income families also had cultural differences. And so there would be times when talking just isn't appropriate for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so she was all like, well, if you come from a low-income family and you have these cultural things, then your kid is not getting what they need. And people are like, it's not true. It's just not fitting in within the framework of her study. So she has now expanded it. She's like brought in more people of color to work on her team and educate families. And um, she works primarily with low-income families. And she also has a book that she wrote all about it. And you can read about her work. And I mean, how do you know like you're using thirty million that, words? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I talk to my kids all the time. Yeah, mainly just I would. So when my kids were babies, <laughs> I would narrate uh-huh. everything I was doing. Everybody, and then yeah. I would answer if I, I would ask them a question. And then I would answer, answer it yeah. for them on their behalf, even though I know they couldn't talk. But I did that mainly out of, of boredom. <laughs> and just I, like I needed to have yeah. conversation because I was in a house all day with this, you know, yeah. potato. So I don't know. It's just. Um, I did the same thing mostly because everything I had read parenting wise was Mm -hmm. all like the best thing you can do is talk to your kid yeah talk to your kid and so i did the same thing i would narrate what we're we're going to eat now we're eating this isn't this fun isn't this yummy yeah oh no it doesn't taste (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know my kids are big talkers now so maybe Mm -hmm. it worked do i regret some of it maybe a little bit because they don't stop talking i mean it makes sense but at the same time i don't how do you know that you've met that quota right i mean that's the thing is like I don't Just know. Talk to your kids early enough. Right. I think I that's know. really the focus of it is that the more you talk to your kid, the better off they are. So just, you know. I mean, it makes sense. Right. Just conversations with them endlessly, I guess. 
Yeah. But I'm like, I mean, I had a lot of one-sided conversations yeah, with I my mean, kids. But sometimes they can be bad. my life for them. <laughs> now I just sit around listening to conversations about Minecraft. So I don't know. Does TV count? I mean, the TV's talking to your kid too. You know, <laughs> had some Law and Order on in the background. <laughs> so. They were one, like they knew. My just... kid knows how to dump the luds now. I mean, isn't that... How... What? <laughs> That's what they always say on, like, Law and Order. Huh. But they're like, wanna <laughs> get the phone records? They're all like, dump the luds. There I just, I would love to see, like, a three-year-old just be like, we're gonna dump the luds. <laughs> the luds? Yeah. I don't know what those are. It's like phone records. I mean, I think it stands for something, but I always think of it as like phone records. I mean, you're probably, I've never heard that. Oh, I watch before. a lot of Law and Order S for You, and I yeah. also like listen to a podcast where they just like go over episodes, and that's what I always hear. And I'm like, dump the luds. Yeah, I even I I watched <laughs> Law and Order S for You particular, and I do not remember oh. that at all. Must have just glossed right over it. It, it was on in the background yeah. for ambient, which is a really odd thing to have on just for nah. ambient noise, I guess. But I digress. love it. Yeah. Now you move on to like murder podcasts, though. Yeah. Just progressing. Okay. Well, uh, these people. Well, are I amazing. Mean, in my in my research and like looking up these women, there were a ton mm-hmm. of really other yes. amazing women we so. could do like a whole series and every day just, just yeah dive in get into yeah i was i was a little um so you, you suggested this yeah as a episode and i was a little resentful because <laughs> no. i was like she's making me do a book report <laughs> but i have to say i actually really enjoyed yeah learning about this because it was just things i did not know and i think also with the Josephine Baker, mm-hmm. I think it's also just a kind of a perfect example of unperfect parents. Sure, you know? yeah. Like, there's just... Yes. So... It's a flawed and you can complicated still system. do great things through adversity and yeah. through just... And then still make bad choices. Right, for yeah. other things. But, um, yeah, I think it, it was... I enjoyed it. I'm glad. You were right. It was a this, good one. So. I love doing stuff like this. This is my faith. Okay. Let's not make a habit. <laughs> but no. I can't promise that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to everybody out there, happy, you know, Women's Month. Yeah. We are sandwiched between Black History Month and Women's History Month and yeah. celebrate all the people. Exactly. And uh, go out and do it ladies yeah yeah too much stuff but also hear me roar (laughs) love it doing all the things (laughs) all right i'm gonna stop okay but uh yeah if you you know like this support women yeah subscribe to us (laughs) we are also women with children also women hear us roar uh subscribe to us follow us leave us a review so other people can find us please tell your friends family members to listen to us we would really appreciate it but uh until next time bye the views thoughts and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of centennial broadcasting